This is Ingewikkeld Sessions, the podcast. Organized by Ingewikkeld, each month you'll get a live stream on YouTube and a podcast on the same topic. That topic is always related to software development in one way or another. If you don't want to miss a thing, subscribe to both our YouTube channel and podcast. Let's start. Welcome to a new Ingewikkeld Sessions podcast. My name is Stefan Koopmanschap and opposite me on the, on the other side of the table is Mike van Riel. Hi Mike. Hi Stefan, good to be here. Two weeks ago, you did a live stream on documentation um, for Ingewikkeld Sessions. And, um, uh, well, I guess my first question to you would be, what is the main takeaway of that session? Well, the main takeaway of the session would definitely be structure documentation in such a way that it's not just appealing, uh, but that you're actually telling a story. Uh, documentation should not be that you jot down a couple of notes on what you've done or what is going on. No, you're actually telling a story like a novel. Yeah. And I'm not sure about you, but if I read a novel, I'm definitely not interested in learning the character did this and then he did that and then that. <laughs> There needs to be some body, some meat to the story as well. Yeah, um, uh, this was actually quite interesting uh, also to me because I had never really thought of uh, writing documentation like a story. Um, uh, how, how do you come up with something like that? Uh, actually, it's a bit of personal interest in uh, narratives uh, in combination with, you know, actually my what I dislike about most of the documentation I encounter. Uh, whenever I try to go into a project, I immediately start reading documentation. And one of the first things I see generally is that people start with writing down in uh, almost a bullet point fashion, this is like this, this is like that. But the cohesive why is it like that? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really missing that people come to me and tell me, hey, uh, this feature we built our customer really wanted this and it adds this value and it fits like this in the hole. And if you look at this other thing, especially making relationships between different topics, um, that's something which really interests me. So one of the things in the live stream that you mentioned was uh, there is a couple of questions that you need to answer with your documentation. Um, and uh, again, this was something that even for me as, as someone who's been writing code for over 25 years, I'd never really thought of documentation like this. Um, what are the, the main questions that you need to answer when you write documentation? Uh, the main questions is the same one you use when you're designing a system or thinking of uh, why am I doing this or when you're writing a user story is the 5W1H method. Uh, it's actually in Wikipedia, so it's really easy to look, look up. Uh, but basically it says that you need to ask uh, yeah, the same things a toddler would ask to an adult. Why are you doing that? Where is this? Why? Are, uh, uh, <laughs> when am I going to get why? Um, and you end up with, the, with how. I'm missing two W's. I always get the those. Whom? I haven't heard the whom yeah, the, yet. The whom. It's why, where when, whom, what, what, thank you, and how. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's funny because uh, I had, before I, I started, I, I came into development, I had some, uh, uh, some interest in uh, going into journalism, and they basically used the same method. 
uh, if you if you want to write an article or make a documentary, uh, basically you answer the same questions. Is this, this so? This is not limited to just development, I guess. Oh no! If you're playing a good game of Cluedo, uh, uh, which in clue in, in English, I think it's clue or the word for play. I've got. To, I'll ah. but at least when you're playing a game of Clue, you're doing the exact same thing. Who killed who? The butler did it. <laughs> With what? Yeah. With the candlestick. Where did he kill? <laughs> Why? It, you, it's a pattern you see whenever you're doing something investigative. So in your case, investigative journalism is a great example of where you would find the same applic- applicants of such yeah. words. I've, I've, I felt, uh, I, I was while I was watching the stream, I felt this makes so much sense. Why are we not doing this? Uh, as developers in general, why why are we not aware of this? There are so many skills uh, uh, aside from development that we need to learn, and this is one of those skills, I guess. Absolutely, it's also one of the skills people tend to ignore or forget. Um, whenever you say to someone documentation, they fall asleep immediately, <laughs> like yeah. in front of your eyes, <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't have to be. If you uh, approach documentation as if you're writing a really good story is fun for yourself if you're approaching it from hey i want to know the nooks and cranny of this thing and write it down is a lot more exciting than uh oh wait then i do this then i do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um so uh looking at uh the, the things that you that you uh explained and looking at these questions um, do you have any examples uh, from your experience? You you have quite a few years of developer experience as well. Uh, um, of of uh, any good or bad examples of applying or not applying these questions to documentation? That's actually a really good question. Um, unfortunately, you see mainly bad examples yeah. or examples where people start off strong and then it tapers off. Um, during the live stream, I showed a couple of examples from Twilio, for example. They have a very strong writing team, uh, and you can see that in the products they produce. However, in the live stream, you can also see where I point out a couple of hitches, perhaps. Uh, but if you look at the documentation for languages, for programming languages uh, such as PHP, you see that there's a really strong focus on references, just on stating method X does Y. Yeah. Uh, which makes for an absolute doze of a read. Um, frameworks like Symfony uh, and Laravel step up the game because they really try to involve you. But if you want to see really good examples of enticing writing, you need to look at marketing examples, for example. Um, product pages, uh, like the, for the website for your dishwasher, that's one example of on the homepage. They're trying to engage you and that's also a form of documentation. Right. Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of it like that. Um, the dishwasher was one example that came by a couple of times, right? Um, uh, but if I buy a new dishwasher, um, I'm not going to read the whole manual. Why Why is the manual there? Why is that documentation there? Um, well, that's actually interesting if you look at uh, your target audience Um most of the times when you write documentation, people tend to forget whom they're writing for. So the, the manual that you're uh, referring to for your dishwasher, 
uh, generally you actually want to read it because uh, you can save energy, you can save money if you do if you do things properly. Um, you can extend the lifetime of your machine, but no one ever does it because it's boring. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly that. And and since the interface of at least my dishwasher is pretty self-explaining, I don't really need the manual. But but then you say, well, maybe you should read the manual. Oh, absolutely. You can find tips and tricks. And even if it seems uh, approachable, it generally lacks a couple of things. Um, for example, I've had the pleasure of driving a Toyota Yaris quite recently. And it was a slightly older model. Uh, and you can see that in, in cars from, I think, 10 years age, they really love their abbreviations and buttons. There are buttons everywhere of <laughs> abbreviations. And to this day, I still don't know what half of the buttons in my car does or in another car. And yeah, if they're wired there or why is the documentation not more interesting to explain to me yeah. what they do. But there's also uh, like uh, when I got my new car, the, I got a book with it. And I think it was such a thick book. It was almost bigger than Lord of the Rings. Um, uh, how do you keep uh, people interested or how do you help them to get get them to read at least the important parts? Actually, it's the same with code. How do you engage an audience? Uh, so perhaps code specifically might not be the best example, although I can find some code quite exhilarating to, to read. But an application, for example, you are trying to get someone's attention. You want them to do things in specific ways. And not everyone does things the same way. So the example of the instruction manual for your car, um, sometimes I get a feeling that they're trying to write a manual for every target group out there, which makes for a complete mess. Yeah. So if they were to separate the manual out into regular user, power user, mechanic, etc., then you can make targeted ways of presentation where a regular user might need more visuals or need to have marketing slogans because, well, we have short attention spans. Okay, so now we've touched on uh, different target audiences, basically. Um, but as we write code or as we write documentation for code, do we have different target audiences? Loads of different target audiences. Um, actually, if you can name a, um, a function, uh, some, uh, someone who plays a role within your organization, they are a target group. Uh, management, upper management, C-level management, uh, for example, but middle management is another example. They need only different approaches, even though they are management. Uh, a product owner, you can go into not as much technical detail as you would with a co-developer. However, you would add a little bit more technical detail than you would with upper management because your product owner needs to make decisions based on pseudo-technical details. Yeah. Um, but they don't need to complete G-ties on how you implemented this one specific thing. Whereas your coworker might actually be interested in such G-ties. Won't it be a lot, a really a lot of work to, to write documentation for so many different people? Actually, the question is rather, how much work is it if you don't? <laughs> okay, yeah, that's a good question. Um, then I'll probably have to explain everything to everyone individually. It's something I have encountered with clients over and over again. Uh, whenever I build a system, 
and a coworker of mine needed to work on it, I needed to explain parts of the system again. And especially if they work incidentally on it, I have had the opportunity to explain the same system five, six, seven, or maybe eight times to the same person. Not because they're doing things wrong or because they're lacking understanding. No, they just touch it every once in a while and they didn't build it, so they don't know every nook and cranny. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what is interesting then, um, uh, because I, if I think back of uh, m- most of the projects that I've worked on, uh, there's a lot of time um, uh, included in, in the estimations for, for writing the code. Uh, there's quite some time uh, um, uh, estimated for for a task for writing unit tests, uh, but documentation is often not really included in that estimation. Should we do our estimations differently? Um, I think we should. However, it is also a very human thing. If you look on topics of habit building, for example, which I briefly touch on the live stream as well, is that people are inclined to uh, do the things that give them instant gratification. Uh, So for example, if I were to give you a bag of chips and I were to give you an apple, there's a decent chance that you're going with the bag of chips and not with apple. Although the apple would be the better choice in the long run because it's healthier for you. However, the bag of chips gives you instant gratification. You get a good feeling. Same goes for... Uh, code, unit tests, and documentation in that order, actually. Code gives immediate gratification for the stakeholders because there's a tangible piece of value that has been added. A unit test is intangible, but okay, it might give some protection in the near future. Documentation, why would you? Because, well, what does it add? It's not like it protects me. It's not like it adds value. Except that it does. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, uh, the way you just explained it to me was actually uh, a great explanation where, you know, what will it cost you if you don't write it? And you have to explain it over and over again to everyone. Uh, then all of a sudden, for me, it's like, oh, maybe I should write documentation. Um, but what's the best place to put the documentation then? Well, again, it depends on your target audience. Um, tech-savvy people, I definitely go with next to your code or inside your code. Uh, so uh, API documentation or uh, docs folder with markdown or restructured text documents. Uh, you can even use PHP Documenter, for example, to generate a full-fledged uh, documentation page out of it and deploy it somewhere. Helps perfectly. Uh, but for non-tech-savvy people, you definitely have to look at where are they working So a a company centered around Google Documents might, for example, want a bunch of Google Docs describing the thing. Uh, A company using a dedicated wiki might be a better place as long as there's someone responsible for managing uh, that documentation on a higher tier. Uh, If you don't, it goes there to rot or is it right once and then you can just send an email. Yeah, that's what that's what a lot of people think. Uh, you mentioned the wiki. Um, uh, I hear a lot of people say uh, wiki is where information goes to die, or or you know to get outdated, or or things like that. Uh, are there easy ways uh, that you know of to to ensure that the information stays up to date? Tend to it. It's like a garden, like actually just like your code. 
Uh, documentation is just like a, like a garden. You need to tend to it. If you don't, it will wither and die. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I, uh, one of the projects that I've been working on this year, uh, they they put all of their documentation, even technical documentation, in the wiki. Uh, but they are very active in uh, uh, keeping an eye on that documentation, maintaining it, making sure that it's not outdated. Um, uh, the the CTO is very active in reminding developers, "Oh, you implemented this feature, but did you update the documentation?" And then it works really, really well. Where in other projects, I've also seen wikis actually be that place where information goes to die. Uh, so, um, yeah, you make a good point. <laughs> you have to tend to it. You have to maintain it. You have to keep actively working on the documentation. It's not something that you do once and then forget. Absolutely, and don't forget to prune it. It's like a regular garden as well. You prune your, uh, you prune your plants every once in a while so that they can blossom better next year. Yeah. And uh, don't keep your documentation because, oh, well, somebody once wrote it, so it has to have value. If it has no immediate value, just like the code, kill it. You make the link now with a garden. Uh, in, in, the, in the live stream, you made a link with, with uh, recipes for, for meals. Um, uh, you like the, the, com the comparing the technical stuff to non-technical stuff, don't you? Uh Again, this comes down to telling people stories. If I am going to tell you uh, cold hard facts uh, or just saying, hey, this is like this, but it's an abstract concept for you. So you need to tend to your documentation. Why would you? I'm, I cannot tell you in regular words why you would tend to your documentation or need a whole explanation. But if I make a comparison with a garden where if you don't tend to the plants, they will die. That's an, easy, that's an easy thing to visualize at that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's great. So, so should we do that in our in our own documentation as well? Um, uh, make comparisons comparisons to to other situations, real life situations. Ooh, this is one of those questions with a very high it depends level. <laughs> um, in reference documentation, so documentation mainly for reading up. How should I? work with this, uh, what what options does this have? No, don't. Okay. Because there you just want the cold hard facts. Um, if you are using uh, tutorials or uh, how-tos, no, sorry, tutorials you might want to, because tutorials also tell more of a story. Yeah. How-to is a sequence of steps that you want to complete, so an analogy might, might just be confusing yeah. to your user, whereas uh, somewhere you want to explain something in more detail, it might actually help to um, state something and repeat it with an analogy just to make get your point across. But this is an interesting thing. You make a difference between a how-to uh, uh, and a tutorial. Uh, there are uh, uh, several, several different styles of documentation, um, uh, and they each have their own form and their own purpose. Uh, can, can you give an overview of what types of documentation we have and, and how you can use it? Uh, well, if you believe the Diatexis framework, there are actually four types of documentation. You have your tutorials, you have the how-tos, you have the explainers or guides sometimes, and you have your reference material. Yeah. And each of these have their own properties, but are connected in some way. Uh, and tutorials and how-tos are often uh, confused or even uh, given the same name. Uh, but each have a 
very distinct purpose in the sense of one is for learning, the other is for doing, as in performing a task repetitively. And a tutorial, for example, does take you through a process, but teaches you for what it's for, why you're doing it, whereas a how-to is a checklist, for example, that you would just follow step by step and you don't care what it actually means because you just need to go through the ropes. Yeah, yeah. So then um, if, if, I, if I take this back to uh, what we discussed earlier, uh, for instance, the manual for a dishwasher or a car, um, there probably the how-to is the more useful one because you just want to do whatever you need to do. Uh, but in terms of, uh, well, let's go for development. If I want to explain why a certain piece of functionality does what it does, then maybe I need to explain it a bit more and, and maybe go for more of a tutorial form. Absolutely. And the tutorial leads more towards the um, story type of telling. Um, I uh, During uh, the live stream, I also mentioned the way fiction is written. Yeah. And in a tutorial, you don't want to go through the ropes of and then, and then, and then. But you want to throw a little bit of a curveball every once in a while. Uh, for, uh, for example, if you were explaining a command line option, you might want to introduce an explicit or an, an error on purpose so that people are like, huh, what? But you can even use that as a learning experience. Yeah. Um, during the live stream, uh, uh, you, you were able to throw in some laughs, I guess. Uh, one of them was um, uh, you asked the question, um, what was the, the strangest situation where you found some documentation? And you had an example yourself as well, I think. Can you can you can you repeat that one? Oh yes, it uh, was actually a, a sort of API for supplier where they used an FTP server where you had to upload a file. Yeah. Um, but in order to upload a file, and know what it uh, had, there the documentation was on the same FTP server as well. So in order to actually read how to work with this, well, API, if you would you would first need to connect to said FTP server and then you could find this hidden document. <laughs> okay, so, but how would you know how to connect? Well, that's a good question. Usually there's some <laughs> implementation manager. That's how people earn money, right? They fulfill these roles because someone <laughs> tells them, uh, hey, I want to do this. <laughs> yes, okay. Um, yeah, that's an interesting interesting one, uh, uh, absolutely. Um but uh, I guess um, one of the points that you want to get across is don't do it like that. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Documenta you write documentation for people to read it and not to hide it somewhere and that someone reads it once and never uses it again. So one other thing that you mentioned during the live stream, um, and uh, we don't have a lot of time, so, uh, so please don't elaborate too much, uh, but you mentioned the snowflake method. And uh, can you can you summarize it like very shortly? Sure. You can summarize it as you start with one sentence describing the whole of the thing you want to document and you keep expanding, 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 just like a snowflake starts with a small center 
and just grows into this beautiful snowflake. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. And how do you apply that to documentation then? So you, you because if I write one sentence, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be very short and but also a, a very short summary of of what I intend to write. How do I how do I uh, determine how to expand on that? Uh, well, you can apply the five W the five W one H method on yeah. it by asking questions on your sentence. Um, but you could also uh, ex expand on it by giving it a start, an end, and giving it, for example, three points in between where you want to emphasize the yeah. point you want to get across. Then you give a sentence to themselves as well, which is a paragraph. And then at that point, you can identify the actors within and expand on that again and see, hey, uh, which people or systems are involved and you probably give them a little bit of background, you tell a little story about them, um, and before you know it, you're going to expand on the individual sentences I described earlier on the start, and those middles and those ends, give them their own chapter, and there, from there it grows. And how do you determine where to stop? Ah, but that's why you start with the end in mind. That's why you have that single sentence at the start that describes the whole document from start till end. Ah, this makes a lot of sense. This makes a lot of sense. I'm I'm going to try that one next time. I uh, I need to document something, which is probably very soon because we're we're doing a lot of work uh, at at my current project. So we need to do, write a lot of documentation. Um, let's let's end the podcast with. Um, uh, I want to hear two stories from from you. Um, uh, we've we already um, uh, heard about the most the weird place where you found the documentation, but what's the the worst piece of documentation you've ever seen? The worst piece of documentation, I, I think I even wrote it myself at some point, <laughs> is uh, where I made an outline. I wrote the first paragraph and uh, I think half of the second paragraph and just left in all the chapters and published that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and what is the best piece of documentation you've ever seen? Ooh, that's a tough one. I think I like most of the documentation written by DigitalOcean. Okay. They tend to, they take a more of a blog format and thus automatically uh, use more of a story structure um in what they're doing uh when it comes to more developer minded documentation i generally like the symphony documentation i think they can still improve on um, making relations and making it a whole but individual chapters are generally well written okay last question um, someone is listening to this podcast right now and uh, they haven't done a lot with documentation. Where do they start? Actually, I'm going to take new games advice there. Just do it. Write the, write the whole thing, read it and do it again and write a second draft, uh, draft where you tie things together 
and make it like make it like you read it as a whole where you can just go through and like okay that makes sense yeah oh that makes sense cool is this also how you usually start when you start on a new project yeah i generally tend to write a rough draft uh, or first sometimes i start with an outline because the snow with the snowflake method i have the first couple of steps in my head i skip to the seventh step i remember which is outlining uh, write an outline and generally remove most of the outline that I don't write and just start writing drafts and rewriting piece of documentation and uh, absolutely never forget, reread the whole document to see if it makes sense when you read it in one go. Right. Okay. Well, thank you, Mike, uh, for uh, for explaining a bit more about documentation. Uh, let's uh, let's hope that, uh, that uh, people pick up on this and, and start writing their own documentation, uh, starting... Uh, by just doing it. That's basically what you said, or actually what Neil Gaiman said. Yeah. Uh, and, and you repeated it, which is uh, good advice, I guess. Um, thank you for listening to this podcast. Um, uh, in in uh, the, the next month, we have another ingewikkeld session. It will be about Composer, um, the tool that uh, most PHP developers use these days. Um, but maybe you only use... 10% of all the functionality that Composer has. Maybe you use a bit more than that, but there's a lot of hidden uh, functionality in there uh, where uh, we're going to dig into that. Um, also, if you would uh, uh, like to see the, the stream again that we mentioned, the stream on documentation uh, that Mike did, um, there is an option for that. If you go to patreon.com slash ingewikkeld, then uh, you can support us uh, starting at uh, three euros a month and then you get access to the full back catalog of all the recordings of the live streams, including the one about uh, documentation, but also about uh, unit testing. We had a panel discussion about learning and, and starting as a new developer. Things like that, you can see the whole back, back catalog of, of videos uh, if you support us on Patreon. Um, having said all that, I want to thank you again for listening and see you next month. That's it for this month. Thanks for listening. If you like what we're doing, please share our links on social media. Also, please subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app and follow us on YouTube. And you can also support us financially on patreon.com slash ingewikkeld. See you next month.